everyone. This is Pastor Ryan, and this is our podcast. Welcome to Live Alive Church, and I just want to thank you for listening in. I hope this message encourages you, strengthens your faith, and causes you to keep pressing forward for who God has called you to be and created you to be. God bless. Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 1, this is what the Bible says. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zether, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship him immediately will be thrown into a blazing furnace now let's skip over to verse 13 it says furious with rage Nebuchadnezzar summoned Sadrach Meshach and Abednego king uh excuse me so these men were brought before the king and Nebuchadnezzar said to them is it true Sadrach Meshach and Abednego that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zether, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's commanded command was so urgent that, and the furnace was so hot that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took up Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped, into his, leaped to his feet in amazement 
and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. Now that was a lot of word. So now I want to speak to you on a thought on fiery commitment. So let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I thank you for the word that you have given me. Now the word that you have whispered in my ear, I pray that I would shout it to theirs. Lord, that they would understand the power of commitment in relationship with you and in relationship with others. Father, I pray that they would be built up in their, in their faith today and strengthened in their faith. Lord, I pray that you would touch my lips and touch my tongue. Lord, that I would speak your word and your holy word, that I would speak it fluently, eloquently, and with power. Lord, that you would have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So to give you a little bit of background on what's going on in this scripture, we have to first understand that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. What happened was, is that King Jehoiakim was king of Judah and the king of Babylon, who is King Nebuchadnezzar, went to Jerusalem and besieged Jerusalem. And he overtook Jerusalem with his army and God allowed that to happen. So what happened was, is that King, ba or King uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, when he went to Jerusalem, he took all the people captive. But I like how in the first chapter of Daniel, how it says that King Jehoiakim was king of Judah. Now Judah, we understand, is in Hebrew the word praise. Do we understand that? Do we all know that? And if you didn't, now you know. So now we know that Judah means praise. And when I started reading that scripture, it's, it came to me that just how King Nebuchadnezzar went to Jerusalem and he took captive uh, the king of Judah and the, the Judah, the southern re region of Israel, and how he took captive Jerusalem. Because that's exactly what the enemy has come to do and try to destroy in your life as he's tried to steal your praise and he's tried to keep your praise captive and he's tried to ha hold you bound and to hold you tightly bound to change so that way you can't praise God, you can't worship him. That's why sometimes when we're in the midst of worship that we we sit there and we don't praise God for who he is because the enemy is afraid of the voice that you have inside of you because what happens is is when one people are in one mind and one accord that what happens is is that the spirit of God begins to move and the spirit of God begins to flow and the gates of hell are shaken by the people who are coming together to worship a holy and an amazing God because he's trying to destroy your praise because when people are one together praising God together the enemy is scared and he's furious about what God can do in your life just like when Paul and Silas were in the midst of the prison 
You all know that the Bible says that they begin to sing at the midnight hour how they were bound with chains and how they were bound hand and foot and they were midst of the prison because they had uh, casted out a, a demon out of a woman so they put them in prison and so they were in the midst of prison and it says at the midnight hour they begin to sing praises and hymns to God and they started breaking the chains the chains begin to break off of their feet the shackles begin to break and their, the chains on their hands begin to break because they, they that's what it is the enemy does not want you to praise God because he's afraid that you're going to be freer than you've ever been because where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and there's nothing that the enemy can do to stop your praise when you're in sync with God and the spirit of God and you worship him in spirit and truth God says that when you praise me everything must fall the chains must fall that deliverance must come healing must come hope must come peace must come because the enemy knows that when you praise God that peace is there when you praise him hope is there when you praise him see that's why I want to preach this thing because in the midst of our struggles are we going to be committed in the midst of a fiery trial are we going to be committed in the midst of hardships and struggles and circumstances that we face are we going to be committed to God just like Paul and Silas was when they were in the midst of the prison they could have been there and said you know what forget you God you're not here but you know what they decided to praise him in the midst of the struggle and the circumstance they were in and that deliverance came to their lives and that's what the enemy has tried to come and do so now that they have been captive now that they have been captive Jerusalem is in captivity and now King Nebuchadnezzar has besieged it and he's ruling over it so out of the captivity came the prophet Daniel and came Hananiah Michelle and Azariah which you know as Meshach Shadrach and Abednego but you didn't know their real names did you I want you to understand this about God is that God your God our God is constant he's immutable and he's never changing. The Bible says in, in the book of Acts chapter 1 that when he told his disciples to tarry ye here in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And he, they stood there and they watched him. The Bible says that angels had taken him in a cloud up to heaven. And there was two, two men shining in robes and they stared at the, which were angels. And they stared at the disciples. And when they were looking at the disciples, they said, Why are you standing here amazed? This same Jesus that you see taken into heaven will be the same Jesus who will come back in like manner. Your God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God got you through a struggle back then, he'll get you through it now. If he got you through a, a disappointment back then, if he got you through letdown back then, he'll get you through any circumstance that you're facing now. It doesn't matter what struggle you go through. Your God is immutable. He's never changing. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will always get you through anything that you ever go through in your life. I don't know what you're here for, but if you need peace, it's available. I don't know what you're need. You're here for but if you need hope it's available I don't know if you need God to open up a door in your life but I can tell you what if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness all things will be added unto you our God is constant but not only is he constant but he's committed everybody say committed 
Our God is committed. And I, what I mean by that is he is never changing. He's always committed to the circumstance that's at hand. He never stopped and he'll never blink. He, nor, he never sleeps. He nor slumbers. Just like when the disciples were in the midst of a storm, the Bible says that Jesus was sleeping in the midst of the storm in the boat. But let me tell you, your God never sleeps nor slumbers. He's always there. He always sees. He always hears. He always knows what you're going through. And yet he is committed. If he was never committed, he would have never promised us in the book of Genesis that one is to come, he will bruise his heel, and, and, and that he will crush the serpent's head. That was a promise to us of this coming Savior of Jesus Christ that was to go to the cross. Even he was in the midst of the Garden of Gethsemane praying to the Spirit to the place where he was drenched in sweat and dropping great drops of blood and sweat and praying on our behalf, the church's behalf, saying, Father, if, if, if you can pass this from me, please take this cup from me. But he said, never the will, never, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He was committed to going to the cross. There was nothing that could stop him. Your God is so committed that the Pharisees and the Sadducees He's tried to stone him and he dipped away unscathed. Your God is so committed that it didn't matter what it took. His hair was plucked. His beard was plucked. He had thorns put on his head. He had a robe put on him and he was mocked and he was beaten and he was bruised. And your God, see, that's what commitment is. It's how can you hold your composure in the midst of adversity? Just like Jesus was in the midst of adversity and he knew what he came to do. He knew the promise that laid at hand, that he was bringing salvation to the whole world. He was committed. You know who he was committed to? It wasn't the cross he was committed to. It was you that he was committed to. It was us that he was committed to. He knew what we were going to get into 2,000 years later. He knew the struggles that we were going to face. He knew that we needed hope. He knew that we needed healing. And he said, you know what? I'm dying for for them I'm dying for that one that's lost and he said you know what I'm going to finish this once and for all and as soon as he was on the cross the Bible says that he gave that he said it is finished and he gave up the ghost I want you to know that your God is committed that not only is he constant in who he is but he is committed into who you are and if he is committed to us then that means we must be committed to who he is in our lives we must worship him for who he is we must praise him for who he is we must be dedicated to who he is because he said he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him we must seek him with all that we are if we hunger for him we must hunger for him if we thirst for him we must chase after him like a deer pants after the water brooks we must go after him with all of our heart he does not want us to be halfway committed when we're in a marriage relationship with somebody we're not just uh 99 you know, committed. We've got to be 100% committed on each side. You don't live with your wife 364 days a year, and then on the fifth, on the 365th day, you go out and do something that you know you shouldn't do. You got to be committed 100%. It's not 99.9. .9, it's 100%. We must be committed to Him. If He was committed to us and what He did on the cross, we must be committed to who He is, and not only committed to who He is, but when we get in relationships amongst another one another we must have we have to learn how to be committed to one another and when I and when I see this story that I just read to you 
you know, I've heard a lot of preaching on this scripture. I've heard a lot of, a lot of people preach on this scripture. And, I, and, I, and I've heard how, you know, in the midst of the fire, God is just trying to purify you and make you like Him. And, and I get that. I understand that. That's great. That's wonderful. And I believe it. But when I see this scripture and I read this scripture, I see commitment here. I, I, don't, see, I don't see people who are scared to, to call God his to call God the most high I, I don't see people here that are walking away from God I see people here or who are committed to serving God who is the most high I see people not only who are committed to God but I see people here who are committed to one another who are committed together, that linked up together and said, you know what, we're committed to God, but we're committed together. And if we commit together, there's nothing that's going to stop it because the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And I can see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all in the fiery furnace, all in the midst of a struggle, all in the midst of a circumstance. And see, that's the thing. It's not a matter of if we're ever going to experience a fire in a relationship. It's a matter of when. And it's when... It happens how are we going to react to the situations that are at hand in our lives and how are we going to commit to wanting to do the right thing and put our best foot forward and how are we going to commit to God how are we going to stay committed to him and how are we going to be able to get through this how are we going to make the necessary steps that we have to take and in the midst of this become like him and to do what he says to do and be obedient to his word and we have to know that in this is the first point I want to get to is where where there is no commitment, there is no progress. Do I need to say that again? Where there is no commitment, there is no progress. Do you understand what I'm saying? The enemy wants to stop the progress of your relationship with people and with him. Do you know the story of Moses and how God spoke to him out of the burning bush? And, and he said, Moses, Moses, take off your sandals where you're standing is holy ground. And that was the point of where God called him on his mission and where he was committed to what God, God wanted. God was committed to get him to do what he was calling him to do. But, God, but Moses really wasn't committed at the time because we all know how... Uh, you know, Moses was given excuse after excuse and, you know, uh, well, God, I can't. God said, you know, you're going to go and you're going to be you're going to deliver these people out of Egypt. We know that story. Right. And and so what happened was is Moses is like, God, you know, I got a speech impediment like I can't even speak. And you want me to go and tell Pharaoh you want your people back? He's like, nope, send somebody else. And so what happened was, is that, that, that Moses, not only was he given every excuse not to go, then he finally did it. And what happened was, is that Pharaoh's magicians were doing the same thing as what Moses was performing. So God gave Moses all these signs so that way they knew that God was with him. So he, you know the story how he touched the the, the uh, river and it turned into blood and you know the gnats came and the, the frogs came and all these these signs and all these wonders came and the same thing happened with with uh, the, the magicians of Pharaoh but what I want you to see here is that 
even though Moses was performing to stop them, this is what happened, is that, that they were trying to stop them from getting to the destiny that was rightfully theirs. Because God had promised them that they were going to go somewhere. God promised Moses that he was going to go somewhere. But even in the midst of Pharaoh trying to stop Moses from taking the people, Moses was still committed, saying, God, nevertheless, no matter what happens here, I'm still going to be a leader. I'm still going to stand my ground. I'm still going to do what you said to tell me to do. And I'm going to do exactly what you say. I'm Even though, yeah, I might have a speech impediment. I just need some people like that in my life even though I might have something going on in my life I'm still committed even though I might have a struggle in my life I'm still committed to who you are God even though I'm struggling in the area of my life I still want to be committed even though Moses had a speech impediment even though he had a struggle even though he was in the midst of a circumstance even though that that uh, Pharaoh and his mad magicians were trying to stop him from delivering the people out of Egypt God still used him to deliver them into the destiny that God called them because God was calling them to a place that was flowing with milk and honey where they could be free and worship him and that's exactly where God that's what the enemy is trying to do he's trying to stop the progress of the relationship between you and him between God and you and between you and others just like what God was trying to do what the enemy was trying to do to Moses he was trying to stop the progress of him delivering them into the place that God had called them to. He was trying to stop not only the progress of the relationship between him and God, but they were trying to stop him from getting to the promise. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do in your life. He's trying to stop you from getting to everything that's yours, everything that God has called that is yours, everything that God says that is yours. The enemy is trying to stop you. But I want you to understand that even though the enemy may be trying to stop you, that God God says, this is my battle and I will fight for you. That God was with him the whole time. Even when they came to a roadblock and they came to the Red Sea. The Bible says that Moses stretched out his staff because God told him to. And they began to walk on dry ground across to the other side. Even when the enemy seems like he's oppressing you. Let the enemy oppress you. Let him attack you because the only thing he's causing you to do is run into your destiny. So I don't know who, that, who that's talking to, but let him attack you. Let him oppress you. Let him come against you because the only thing he's doing is being a part of God's plan. Because even though it might be coming against you, he's just getting you to run right into everything that God has said is yours. Everything that God has declared that is yours. That's all the enemy is doing in your life. Can I preach a little bit in this place? I, you guys ain't talking talking to me I might be here forever if you don't start talking second point is where there is no commitment there is no potential where there is no commitment there is no potential if you don't change if you don't want change in a relationship there will be no commitment. If you want change in a relationship, watch this. There must be commitment. You have to have commitment in a relationship if you want to see change begin to happen in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? But where there is no commitment, there is no potential. And let me just talk to you for a minute about it. 
Turn to the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17, real quick. Because I need to read this to you so that way you understand it. 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 28. This is what the Bible says. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I, oh, excuse me, sorry, wrong verse. Verse 28, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now we know that this scripture right here is going into the story of how David fought Goliath. And so now this is what happens. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He turned away. He turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. So what I want you to understand here, where there is no commitment. See, David's brothers didn't understand the potential that was in David. Because they weren't committed to him as, his, as their brother. They didn't love him as they should have. They didn't, they didn't care for him as they should have. He looked at him and said, shouldn't you be out there in the sheep pen? Shouldn't you be out there doing what you do? Why are you even here in the battle lines? They didn't understand the potential that was in David. They didn't know what was David was committed to his relationship with God and to Israel. And that was where his potential came from. And so what happened was is this is what Paul says. David said to Paul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go fight. David wasn't heard from the others and looked at Saul and said, let no one lose heart. Come on, somebody, on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go go fight even though they were in the midst of a fire listen to me when you're in a fire you must fight when you're in a struggle you must fight there must be a commitment to your relationships that you say you know what no matter what happens I'm gonna get through this no matter what fire I'm in I'm gonna fight for what's rightfully mine and he said you know what this is what Saul replied he said you are not able to go against the Philistines and fight him. You are only a young man. See, Saul didn't even know the potential that was in David. He didn't even know what David was capable of. See, that's the thing, is that when we're not committed in a relationship, we're not committed in our relationships, people don't understand the potential that it will have or the potential that is within us to, to be who God has called us to be for this relationship to work and for us to continue to move forward as friends and as a body of Christ and as a marriage as we go forth and we fight together listen to me if look if every battle and every fire that I was in with my marriage if I just walked away I will you know what good is that but what happens is is that when you stay and fight in the midst of a fire you are stronger with it well watch this watch this I'm getting excited here you, you guys might not be getting excited but I'm getting excited Saul replied you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him you are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth but David said to Saul your servant has been keeping his father's sheep 
When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. The uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. David killed the lion and the bear, and he chased after it. When you're in the midst of a fire, you must fight and chase after what is rightfully yours and what God has called you to. It doesn't matter what enemy comes against you. See, they didn't know the potential that was in David after he just killed a lion and a bear. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he comes up against me? They were in the midst of war. They were in the midst of a battle. They were in the midst of a struggle. And they tried to cast David to a side because they didn't see the potential that was in him because they weren't committed like they should have been to him. They shouldn't. They didn't love him like they should should have loved him and they didn't care for him like they should have cared for him but David said you know what I don't care who stands against me I know that God is with me and if God is for me nothing can be against me and he said I've already killed a lion and a bear who is this Philistine that he can come after me and see what he what that indicates here is a depiction because we know that David they we believe is a, is a representation of Jesus Christ in the scripture because he's king and he was anointed as king. And so what happens is that he said, you know what? When I was watching the sheep, there was a lion and a bear that came after them and I and I called up to him and I struck him. And that's a depiction of you. That when the enemy and the lion that, that, that came and tried to destroy you. And the bear that came to devour you. And, and you were in his mouth. David came running. Jesus, he came running. He came chasing after you. Because why? Because he's committed to you. And he loves you. And he will chase down. He will chase you down no matter what situation you're in. No matter what struggle you're in. He will chase you down. Fight for you and go after you and he'll love you and he'll cherish you and he'll do whatever he has to do to make the situation right in your life and what I want you to understand is that even in the midst of the fire that Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego because they didn't bow down listen to me not only were they they in the midst of a fire but I mean they were you know they were carried off into captivity and taken by force. So they were not only taken by force, but carried into captivity because of King Nebuchadnezzar taking over the city. So they were in the midst of a fire. They were in the midst of a storm. They were in the midst of a struggle. And we're all going to face these in our relationships. We're all going to face these in our lives. We're all going to face these kinds of things. But how committed are you? How committed are you to wanting something to change, wanting something to be different? That no matter what fire comes, no matter what struggle comes, I'm still, turn up the heat. I don't care, devil. I'm still going to be there. And guess what happened? When they were in there, they were tied up, bound, and thrown into prison or thrown into the, to the fiery furnace. And they were still in the midst of the fire. And they didn't give up hope. They even said, even if God doesn't, our hope is still in him. Even if God doesn't, doesn't deliver me, even if God doesn't heal me, even if God doesn't give me the, the, the answer that I'm looking for, I'll still praise him for who he is in my life. 
I just need some people like that in my life that says, God, you know what? You've already done enough for me. Even if you don't do another thing in my life, you've already went to the cross. You've already done what you had to do. But I'm going to still stand here, and I'm still going to love you, and I'm still going to praise you for who you are. Devil, you can oppress me. You can attack me. You can bring adversity. You can do whatever you have to do. You can throw me into the furnace. But I know that in the midst of the furnace, that's where God is. He'll still show up in the midst of the fire. Because that's what God, when you're committed in the fire, God will show up and show his face. He will make himself known in the midst of it. But see, when things get hard, what do we tend to do? When things get tough, what do we humans tend to do? We begin to run away. Just like Moses when, when he, you know, he looked to the left and to the right because he killed an Egyptian. The Bible says. He looked to the left and he looked to the right and he killed an Egyptian and he buried him. And then the next day, somebody came up to him and said, what are you going to do? You're going to kill me like you did the Egyptian? But when he looked, he didn't see nobody. So you know what happened? It got too hard. He said, I got to get the heck out of here. And he ran to Midian. But see, that's what happens. We must not flee when we're in the fire. We must fight while we're in the fire. We must stand with our loins girded with, with the belt of truth. And we must stand with the helmet of salvation. We must stand. We must. We, everybody say, we must stand. Let's say it. We must stand no matter what. The Bible says that we must stand in, every, in having all to do. We must stand therefore. We have to stand no matter what happens. No matter what comes our way. God is still on our side. And if we can understand that, then we would be such better people in our relationships and in our circumstances and we would our faith would grow deeper into who he is and who he's called us to be and that we would be much better knowing that doesn't matter what comes my way God is still with me no matter what go what no matter what the enemy throws at me God is still with me I'm on the last thing because you guys are tired you guys are you guys are tired and you're hungry okay the last thing is is where there is no commitment there is no proof where there is no commitment, there is no proof. And I don't mean proof as evidence. I mean proof like a bulletproof vest. I mean proof like fireproof. I mean proof like devil throw every dart you want at me but I know that the proof I have on me is my salvation in God and when my and I have my salvation of God and when I have my calling and when I know who I'm destined to be and I know who I'm created to be that is my proof on who God has called me to be and there's nothing you can do to stop me from getting to where God has called me to be there's nothing you can stop me from building this relationship there's nothing you can stop me from getting to where God has destined me to be and to the promise that God has called me to be if God God said peace is mine then peace is mine if God said hope is mine hope is mine if God says that uh, deliverance is mine deliverance is mine that I want to talk about proof for a minute because 
when you're in the midst of a fire, God says that I will surround you and I will protect you. Just like Isaiah said, when you walk through the waters, you shall not drown. And when you go through the fire, you shall not be burned. I don't know who I'm talking to, but even in the midst of it, God is still with you. That you are fireproof. That in any situation that you go in, God's protection is around you. Even King David said, I look to the hills from where my help comes from because God is always there and he's always with you. My God, I'm about to shout in this place. Acts chapter 12 real quick. Golly day. I'm about to bust with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 12. This is what the Bible says. It was about time. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to church, to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter. Also, this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him off and over and put him in prison. And handling him over to be guarded, sorry, by four square squads of four soldiers each. So he had, he had like six soldiers watching him, or eight soldiers watching him. Herod intended to bring him out to public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Do you see the power of effective prayer? Do you see what I'm saying? Because watch what's getting ready to happen. He was thrown in prison. But what's the Bible say? That the church was earnestly praying. That the church was praying for him. And the Bible says the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. So there, look, he was... It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter that the enemy might be surrounding you on all sides, but God can still deliver you and take you and move you and, and liberate you and set you free. And the Bible says that in centuries stood guard at the entrance. Not only did he have two soldiers on each side of him, but they had soldiers at the gates. And the Bible says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up quick. Get up, he said, and the chains fell off his wrist. My God. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading him to the city. It opened for them by itself. My God. And they went through it when they had walked the length of one street. Suddenly the angel left him. That's what I'm talking about when, when there's proof. When God has protected you. When God is surrounding you. When God is with you. It's no demon in hell. There's no, there's no uh, enemy that can come against you. There's nothing that can stand against you. Because God is protecting you. And he'll always protect you. Just like he did Peter when he had the enemy surrounding him. Not only was he... Did he have soldiers surrounding him? But he was in the midst of a prison. But guess what? He was committed still to who God had called him to be. And he walked right out of that prison without the soldiers even hearing him or even seeing him. And the Bible says that the door of the gates opened by itself. I don't know who that's for. But I believe if you stay committed to who God is. 
If you stay committed in the relationship with him, if you stay committed into your relationships with others, friends and marriages and, you know, all those times, types of relationships, guess what? Whatever door you've been praying for, it'll open up by itself. That no matter what happens, that the door will open up by itself. No matter how you got to stay committed and stay committed to who Christ is and stay committed in your relationship with him. And you just begin to sit back and you can just see how doors are opening for you and how God is making a way. Just like when we were at the Civic Center praying that God would open up a door for our church and open up a door for a building for us to move into. Yeah, we were sitting back and we were looking. I was searching the whole city. I almost came a realtor myself. I knew every building. I knew every uh, square footage. I knew every uh, uh, rate that it was going to cost to get that building. And my God, one day the door just opened just by itself. Somebody said, there's a building for you. And we met here and we said, it's, we said we want it. And we signed a commitment that day. And God opened up a door. When you stay committed, because there's been times when I've looked around and I said, God, I don't see exactly what you promised us. And I don't see exactly what you said you were going to do but you know what nevertheless I'm going to be committed to who you are and committed to what you say I'm going to do and guess what when I stay committed God has brought people God has delivered people God has brought joy into people's lives and God has been God has blessed us beyond measure and we've come in here and we've got new music equipment we've we've been able to put new carpet down and see I believe that every time that we did something new the enemy got mad and he's tried to come against us when the enemy has tried to bring adversity and come against us I believe every time we've laid when we laid down the floor and when we painted these walls you remember that don't you Melissa when we were painting these walls I believe the enemy was mad because he knew the commitment that we were going to be here and we were going to stand our ground no matter what because we're going to take this territory back for the gospel of Jesus Christ to see revival and to see people's lives change for the good my God I'm preaching in this place stand to your feet